سلام خوش آمدید مرحبا اهلا و سهلا اناشنیکا خوانجامیدا سلام علیکم شراغلاد اولام بینبینیدوس زدرستوچی دبرو پاجالوچی هلو ویلکم تو آر پادکست دیالای افل سی لنگو So yeah, when we were when I was here as a student back in 1999, the Marines would always destroy us on the run team, and we got frustrated by it. So we're like, well, how? What can we do to mess with them? Mm-hmm. At the time, the Marines there, if any time they heard the Marine Corps hymn, their CO made them stop. So we started taking our Walkmans, chasing them down, playing the Marine Corps hymn, so they'd have to stop and be there the entire time, make one of our sailors stay there, and then pass them and loop them, and then they'd come chase us back down. It's playing dirty. Yes, it is. Well, that's why I'm a submariner. Like we. Find a solution to the problem. <laughs> We're doing a podcast series on getting to know DLI. Each episode, I'm interviewing a different group of people to give you an idea of what it's like to live and work here in Monterey. This week, I'm talking with four MLIs or military language instructors: Air Force Master Sergeant Alex Ayudo, Army Staff Sergeant James Fedo, Marine Sergeant Joan Lee, and Navy Senior Chief Petty Officer Jason Noble. Okay, so let's start with、um, getting to know you. Questions. So let's start with you, Alex. My full name is Alessandro Ayuto. It's an Italian name. My dad's Italian.、Uh, there's some more backstory there, but we'll leave it at that for now. I'm a master sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. I I'm an Arabic linguist now. I started my career as an Uzbek linguist back when DLI taught Uzbek for a few years.、Um, so because I came through in about I started class in '06, and so at that time it was kind of like in the The peak of the Uzbek and other like sort of less commonly taught languages,、um, as a response to Operation Enduring Freedom and the needs of Afghanistan. So I was like caught in that wave of linguist training. Then after doing that job for a few years, I came back here in 2012 to learn Arabic, and、uh, so I've been doing that job and came back here to be an instructor in、uh, 2019. So I came here as an MLI, and then last year I.、Uh, Applied for and got selected for the chief MLI position I'm in now. Okay, all right. I want to hear more about the Italian thing. Okay, now.、Um. <laughs> all right.、Um, so, yeah, I was born in Italy. I was born in、uh, Sicily.、Uh, my dad was in the Italian Air Force. My mom was in the American Navy for eight years. That's so they met because at at the time in 1984 ish they were both stationed at. Shape, which is Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe、uh, over in Belgium, and、uh, so they met there and hit it off and got together. And then,、uh, so after that assignment, my mom actually got out of the Navy and moved with my dad back to his next assignment, which is in Italy, at near his hometown. Fortunately, actually,、um, so they all went there, and I was born there and spent a few years there before moving to the States when my mom. <laughs> the way she said, she got sick of being away from her family, so she decided to move back with me and my sister to America, near where her parents live in Vermont. And my dad stayed in Italy for the next six years, finishing out his、uh, time in the Italian Air Force, and then he joined us later. So that's how that kind of went down. Oh, that's really cool. So you learned the languages. You got familiar with languages that way. Sort of, yeah. I got some exposure to. I think I got like an, a very like unconscious sort of. Appreciation of the difference between languages as a kid. I mean, of course, my mom she brags about me way more than I deserve. She she likes to, she imagines that I was like fluent in both languages as a four year old. I think my recollection is I probably knew some survival 
you know, phrases and words in Italian in addition to the English, but I never really mastered Italian, you know. But but anyway, the, even that little exposure, I think, does kind of, like, configure your brain a certain way to sort of, like, adapt to languages. So I think that's that was the main benefit for me, yeah, and, then, and how I ended up sort of, like, taking that to a career in, in languages later on. Yeah. How close is Uzbek to uh, to Arabic? Not really. Uh, the only similarity between Uzbek and Arabic is that uh, there are some words that are shared between the two because, uh, you know, over the ages there have been, like, Islamic conquests of Central Asia, which, which forced some cross-pollination of, of language between the two. But Uzbek is based off, it's, a, in, the, it's in the Turkic family of languages, so it's really similar to the Turkish language and there's the other Central Asian languages that are similar to that, like Kazakh and Kyrgyz and, and Turkmen. Those are all very similar um, languages, but grammatically and everything, those are very different from Arabic, which is classified as a Semitic language, like Hebrew. So The, the way the languages grow and change is just fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, we're all kind of a, a global melting pot in a way, just because no, no modern civilization has remained isolated from the world, you know, um, so that we all kind of have a little bit of exposure to, to our other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you go by James or do you go by Gemma? I've forgotten. James. Oh, that's right. James. You didn't like to to shorten it. I don't hate Jim. I'm just not Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. James Fido, uh, staff sergeant in the army. Unlike uh, Alex, I have no idea where my name's from. Um, don't ask. Fido's a mystery to everyone. Uh, joined the army. Nine years ago, uh, came through DLI. I've been a linguist my whole time. Uh, Russian linguist. Uh, I am from a military family. Uh, this is all I ever wanted to do. And then I joined the military and was like, oh, hey, turns out this was like a good idea. I thought it was a crazy idea. And then I did it. And I was like, oh, I'm good at this. Um, fun fact about me, I'm a DLI marriage. Uh, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I met my wife in class. In my Russian class, in the same section, six people, and we were next to each other. Um, and we're still together eight years later, so uh, it can work. You're going to bring bad hope to all this. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, don't do it, obviously. It's 0. The first year of marriage was just sheer, like, just stubbornness. I was like, mm, mm-mm, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this because I'm not going to let anyone tell me they were right and I was wrong. Um... <laughs> And, you know, eventually from that, like, love blooms or whatever. But, uh, yeah, things are going well. She's going to love this podcast. Oh, no, she's going to be super stoked. Uh, okay, so I keep wanting to call you Joe. Do you uh, go by Joan yeah. or Joe or Lee? Um, I go by Sergeant Lee. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, so the standard there. <laughs> Noted. Tone change. Um, my first name is Joan. But I'm not like an 80 year old grandma, so no one really sees me as a Joan or a Joe or an Ann or whatever. It's definitely not Joe Ann. Please don't call me that. Okay, so tell me about yourself, where you're from, and how you got here. Um, I'm from I'm from New York, New York. Born and raised there, and then we moved to Greenwich, Connecticut after like when I was like 11, and then I joined the Marine Corps from there. Uh, my parents are from Korea, so I'm first-gen American. Uh, so I grew up in a bilingual household, like speaking Korean and English, and my first language in New York City was Italian, 
because they they offered that there. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I thought it was hilarious. And then when I moved to Connecticut, they only offered Spanish and French, so I had to switch. Um, so I took Spanish for about ten years through middle school, high school, and college before I came here. And they were like, "You're gonna be a Spanish ling," and I was like, "Great." <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm a Spanish linguist. I work at UML, but I'm also currently covering down on Tagalog, Hebrew, French, and Japanese because we're having a shortage. So when you came here with with those years of Spanish, how how was your schooling? Like when you came through DLI, how was it? Um, it was okay. Um, it was fun because a lot of it was review or like a refresher. We did when you know when we got to semester three of the course, we touched on some stuff that we never touched on in like the ten years of school before. Because apparently, every time you restart Spanish in the new school year, they want to start you at zero because that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. So I never got to like the really hard Spanish stuff until I came here. Uh, but because I was doing okay in academics, I had a lot of free time to pursue under other interests. And so um, I feel like my time here as a student was fruitful because I had a lot of time for other things. But it makes me feel bad for, you know, all the students who have to, like, sit down every night for six hours and study and homework and all that, all that good stuff. Okay. And when, when did you come through here? I came through here in 2014, I think. Okay. All right. And so, Jason, um, Let's talk about um, where you're from and how you got here. So I'm going to do, introduce my whole name, Jason Aaron Noble. And the reason I'm going to say that is because I'm actually named after Elvis Presley. Thank God my father convinced my mother not to name me Elvis Noble because my childhood would have been way worse. <laughs> but Elvis Aaron Presley, Jason Aaron Noble. So I can live with Jason and go by Jason. Uh, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, joined the Navy to get out of Ohio, right? Um, Appreciated where I was from, but I just wanted something different, wanted something that had a beach, some water, or anything like that. Fell into being a linguist, had no idea what it was. I was a kid that showed up to DLI and said, I'll do whatever you want. Um, I had no proclivity to what language, so they said, well, what's your background? I was like, well, I was in choir, I did a lot of theater, and they're like, Chinese, that's good for you. (laughs) Um, Which worked out, right, with the tones and speaking and just being dynamic. Um... I was a Chinese linguist, went through DLI 1999 to 2001, graduated, uh, loved being on subs, went straight to subs subs from DLI. Uh, after being in Hawaii too long, which I know sounds weird to some people, um, the Navy said, well, if you want to get out of Hawaii, learn another language. So I, went, I learned Somali and went to DLI East in 2010. Um, picked up Somali and then did that style mission for the next, you know, part of my career until coming here as an instructor, which was fun. But Chinese and Somali is definitely a weird combination. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. You do with those pirates. <laughs> yes, a lot of pirates, anti-piracy stuff, and counterterrorism, which was definitely different than your traditional Chinese mission set, for sure. You told a really great story um, about being on a plane, like your oh. the apex of <laughs> so, your... Yeah, so the apex of my language ability, right? Um, in high school, I took German, too, because, you know, I'm a you know, larger you know, youth. Uh, when we had the options of learning... Spanish or German or French. I like German because my family's German, and then also you learn by beer drinking song anyway. Uh, so I retained <laughs> a lot of that. Uh, but one time when I was flying from Ethiopia to Djibouti, Africa, in front of me there was a Somali businessman trying to translate a Chinese person 
and a uh, German person talking to each other. And it was hilarious to hear somebody be like, I don't know what you're saying in German, and the person going, I don't know how to translate that in Chinese, to the other person in Somali, and I'm like, I can't talk to you, but this is what I was made for. It's like the epitome <laughs> of everything. Um, but it was just kind of cool to see that, you know, one, other people struggle, but then two, my German was still functional. Um, in, to go into that, you also mentioned that that was your best career move, was taking Somalian. Right, just being a little, I, I don't like being stagnated. And so when you, Chinese obviously has a wealth of opportunity and you can easily stay into it. But when I switched to Somali, it opened up a whole new world to me. I never did the CT mission before, never got to do anything with boots on ground. Um, so that's got me into that kind of that tip of the spear, special warfare type stuff. And then after that tour, I really was able to build on that with both languages. And that was by far the best move. So in coming back to DLI as an instructor, that's really why I wanted to come back, was just to tell, you know, linguists here, like, what you think you'll be doing, what I thought at 19 years old, or what I thought this job is, you have no clue. So just do the best you can now, because you'll have a wealth of opportunity. Okay. Um, and then, I th so I think, James, you had something really interesting about <laughs> what your best and worst career move was. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Ooh, um, I found a passion, and this is going to sound insane for anyone who's familiar with it. So I found my passion in the Army S3 shop. That's like our operations section. That's where we... What a leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, desk work. is the, the, the key defining feature is I'm good behind a desk, but I found out that like that's, that's what I like doing. I spent the best two years of the Army career not using language at all, um, basically kind of running or I was either in charge I was in charge of a bunch of soldiers and then there were also a bunch of officers and senior NCOs that I was the shadow governor of meaning that I was the one who made things happen and they got pats on the head but um, as long as everyone accepts a shadow governor things work just fine uh, so yeah I spent two years in the S3 shop uh, I did everything I I have a weirdly, like, it's the coolest, it was the coolest experience to see how the sausage gets made in the army. I think that, like, that was, to me, a really neat and unique experience because, especially for a linguist, because they don't take linguists off of language missions very often, especially Russian linguists in Europe, uh, in, in a position where we needed Russian linguists, and especially for two years. Um, I begged for that second year. And Sergeant so Major let me stay uh, because, as he put it, you're fun to have around. Um, I like to think that helps. Uh, so, yeah, uh, two years. Um, it's called the worst career decision of my life uh, because it broke me physically, emotionally. Uh, I gained anxiety. I was working 12-hour days, five days a week. I was on call on weekends. I was on call on nights. I was on call on leave. The amount of times I was on leave and got calls like, hey, what do we do? I'm like, oh, okay, here's what you do. I could, I could talk people through processes over the phone, like strangers. But sit down at your computer, log in. Here's what we're going to do. Um, gained like 30 pounds in like a year. <laughs> in the first year there, I was, I was pushing like 210 just just from stress, stress eating, and uh, lack of exercise. That's the one. Yeah, I knew that. I was like, there was something in here. It's not lazy because I was doing things, but I don't. I'm not like a like a PT person, so uh. it was like, hey, I could go to PT, 
or I could do this work thing. And they're like, well, you're way better at work than you are at PT. Go do work. <laughs> so how is this your best then? I've never been happier or more fulfilled in a position. Uh, I've worked <laughs> as a Russian linguist for <laughs> six years. I've worked for Rus as a Russian linguist for six years at that point. Um, I have never felt that amount of job satisfaction before. Kind of get it as an MLI, um, or more as like the chief MLI role. Uh, turns out I work best when things are on fire. Uh, I work best when there are emergencies, and I'm good at big picture stuff. So it's ironic because my best and worst career decision is the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, so I went on an IA, like an individual augment deployment by myself, and I was attached to an army shop mm. in Kuwait. Only army. Um, the first group that was there, 10th Mountain, they were good to go, fun to work with. We all got the job done. Um, but the second group that came in after was 82nd Airborne, and they made me want to do very bad things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was the only person in that job for the, for some reason, three-week period where there was nobody else. Like 10th Mountain went home, and then three weeks later, 82nd came in. And it was... It's just me. Sounds like planning. It's yeah, good army planning. it's good army planning, right? <laughs> uh, so I was a continuity piece. I taught everyone how to do the day and the night shift mm -hmm. of uh, that job. It was a 12-hour shift every day, except for there was one day a week you could pick a half day. So it was fine, right? I could work that schedule, and I did. But the problem was when 82nd came in um, and I taught them how to do literally everything, those army folks gave me such a hard time like you know throw crayons at me every day you know like mess with my workstation um so I went to the colonel who um happened to be a marine and he was the only one who like he was the only marine in, in the chain of command that I worked with period and so like I went to him and he knew what the struggle was um and there were like a, a few random sprinkles of marines on that base and they were also all A's all IAs, so we all, you know, would get together. We planned a trip to Greece, which is great. Uh, they would invite me on their Marine PMEs, professional military education, which mm -hmm. they still did on deployment. But I made a lot of good friends out there. Um, a lot of three-letter agency contacts, too, because they were uh, working, like, right next door to us. How was that your, your best again? Oh, it was, it was great, because I made good connections, and I had... A lot of opportunities to do things I would never be able to do. Like for the Marine PMEs, half of them were real PMEs. Like we discussed books and like Marine Corps knowledge and orders and stuff. But then the other half of the time, it was like us going out in town to eat food and to go to camel races and to visit the aquarium. Culture. Uh, yeah, <laughs> culture. It's culture PME. Uh, but it was terrible because of the the army side of the house. So, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a good story. <laughs> Me and Leo over here like, yeah. we like the pain. <laughs> yeah. Would you like me to comment on my best career decision? Yes. Or, okay. Well, yeah, I, uh, unlike uh, Sergeant Lee, I don't, my brain, I guess I'm lucky in the sense I don't focus a lot on negative experiences, which I'm sure I've had many, but I just sort of like, I, I tend to just forget about them, I guess, instead of just... Repression is... Being haunted by it, I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I am repressing it, yeah, and it's yet to come out, but... Um, so I, when, I, when I thought about answering that question, 
a, a good thing, in my opinion, came to mind. Um, now, there, I've had a longish career, so I mean, there's been a lot of things I could really comment on. But one thing that that came to my mind was, so I, just to set some background, I think a lot of people in the military, you know, we're we're encouraged to develop ourselves professionally and personally over our careers, right? And one form that takes is pursuing like a civilian education um, in our career field. Excuse me, I think it's it's common for people to sort of like just to check a box and like go for a degree that you're already all, like 90% of the way to getting just through whatever credits you've earned through your professional education. Um, I think a lot of people do that because yeah, like to higher ups, it doesn't matter what your degree is in, it just as long as you have one. But I kind of like rejected that pressure and decided to go with something that was actually like an area of interest for me, which is computer science. I So I took a, you know, an online degree uh, program. I, it's, I spent like six years doing it, you know, Use a lot of free TA money to get it done, but uh, in the end, I felt like it was worth it because you know the thing. Even though I had an interest in that area already, I kind of I didn't. What I didn't imagine is how many ways you can apply those skills, even in our job in the military. And I know those of you who worked in you know admin jobs, like what mm-hmm. we all do here, but you can imagine like yeah, the amount of opportunity there is to apply th- those kinds of skills. Surprisingly, even in my more like you know intel missions, like you know I fly. You know, or I did fly on an aircraft performing my job there using a proprietary operating system. And so those skills can apply there because you can work with it to automate certain tasks. You can leverage it to make you just more effective. And I don't know, it's just like it's one of those things where I guess I didn't even imagine how good it would turn out. But I'm glad I did it because it kind of it made me sort of a unique asset within my own niche of a career field as it was. So that's kind of how I look at it. Okay. So, different question. Um, I thought yours was really interesting. Um, what was the last TV show you binge watched? Oh well, that's not very interesting. But uh, <laughs> no, so because uh, you're, I'm really, re- you're really hearing how much of a nerd I am in all these answers. Um, so I there's a, a show on Netflix that was just uh, recently released called Archive 81. I don't know if you guys have probably seen it because they've, they've been pushing it. Right? It's being advertised pretty heavily. Any of you watched it yet? I, I watched it. My wife's a librarian, so she like, watched it. Yeah. Is it a cartoon or is it like a no, no, no? It's like you know, regular live action, like Ozark, where they have like weird graphics. <laughs> yeah, you sort of. I mean, so it's not that. It's not that type of show. It's like a the way I characterize it. It's like a mystery, horror, sci-fi, like yeah. kind of all together, mm-hmm. and. Uh, no, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know that. I told my wife it was like a modern version of The Ring, but different. Yeah, sort of. Exactly. <laughs> that's actually a really good really? way of putting it. But I liked it because yeah. I thought, yeah, it's like it's kind of like a unique <laughs> premise. Um, but I just, I just, I was really into like sci-fi fantasy type stuff where it's like, okay, so here's this, there's this demon from another world, you know, another dimension that we're slowly getting to know more about through the course of the telling of the story. Somebody and like in the stories, are you know what? Yeah, Shush. yeah. It's like to me, I just like it. I like, it. I love it when you're able to when a whatever creator of a show is able to like have this idea, but then. And, Put it on screen in a way that you can really, you know, bring that imagination full circle and like show you what it would really be like, rather than just relying on your own imagination to fill in the gaps. Like it's really hard, I think, to take an idea and visualize it or embody it on screen like effectively. But I think they did a good job of that. And I don't know, I just I'm just really into that stuff. Just like, just like I don't know, crazy like alternate realities, sci-fi. You know, what what other possibilities are there? It's See what made me like the show because you talked about having a long career, and I think at this table I'm I meet that metric in spades. Um, was part of the show is they take cassette tapes and he re like rebuilds the tech restores yeah. the cassette tape, 
And early in my career, I mean, with the systems we worked, I remember taking big old reels of tape everywhere we go and having yeah. to use that. And I'm like, I can totally identify what happened. Right, yeah. That is a really painful thing to do. I that just sucks. missed out on that generation. Yeah. But you're right, yeah, that was a real thing. You're watching Stranger Things going, I feel represented yeah. by this yeah. model. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. judged. Yeah. Um. yeah. So what was, um, oh, yours, I'd never heard of either. What was yours? Oh, um... I traditionally hate K dramas because you know they're all about love. Boo! And I know where she's going with this. <laughs> but um, my sister periodically recommends K dramas, and I don't usually watch them. But this one I did. It's called a Korean Odyssey. It has to do with like demons and stuff, and so it's like kind of like fantasy and real life. Uh, because there's this, you know, like, little girl, you see her grow up, I guess, um, and she's just fighting, like, demons and stuff and soul. There is, in fact, a love part that does play a big role, but they manipulate it, so it's not as, like, lovey-dovey crap stuff like I don't want to watch. plot device, maybe, like it is in some other It is, because, you know, um, it's there's, like, the devil, and then, like, a another deity but she basically is able to chain this deity to use him to help her kill all like the demons and stuff uh, it's really complicated but you know most k-dramas are so you can't do anything about awesome. that are there any what, what's like the most famous k-drama that people may have heard of because i don't know if i've ever seen one um i've only watched Two other than this one. See, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was like, I um, heard K drama. I thought maybe Squid Game, but apparently I don't even know. No, what that's not is. a K drama. <laughs> that's just like a. It's a Netflix show. It's a Netflix <laughs> show. It was pretty good. Squid Game. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, like, I oh. also really liked uh, Kingdom. It has mm. zero love interest, which is great, and it's about <laughs> zombies, like set in like the old Joseon era of Korea. So what is? Why is love? The why is the love part bad <laughs> for me? Because I'm just not into that crap. Oh, um, in K dramas, I think people <laughs> really like it because I don't know. I don't know. like love. Every Marine's going, Yes, I know what she's saying. No, because it's all like I don't want to see that in front of me and I don't want to see it on TV. Like, it's unrealistic. <laughs> it's. Um, like romance is great, but it's like over the top. Is is this like telenovelas? Yeah, except telenovelas is all about like the drama after you kill somebody. But then the K dramas are all about like the drama con uh, concerning a love interest, mm -hmm. and it's always like unrequited love or love that can never happen. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> okay, note to self. <laughs> I don't do the drama either, but uh, oh. This is not going in my algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> but Kingdom with the zombies yeah, is good. Yeah. yeah, it's different. It's like the first one I've ever watched besides Squid Games. It's like not about a love interest whatsoever, and that's great. And uh, yours is actually fairly n normal. Well, I mean, I think it's because like I have three kids, so typically I end up watching everything that my kids watch during my spare time because they and they suck up every time I have. So if I remember what I was talking about is like we love Star Wars as a family, so like I watched Mandalorian, we watched the Boba Fett series, and my oldest, who's on the spectrum, was like, "Okay, if you love this story, you need to watch the Star Wars clone animated series," and like I I got 
lectured every day if I don't binge watch this so so Aww. I very rarely binge watch something <laughs> I just take the minute I have but that was one that I actually sat down with him and said okay we're gonna take the weekend we're gonna do this I didn't realize it was so many years oh. and so and so yeah we, we spent several weekends binge watching this show but it was actually aside from a couple of the story arcs mm-hmm. was really good so I learned that you know is it like the Letterkenny clone? Terrible! It's so bad. I'm a huge Star Wars buff. Shock um, me, right? Like <laughs> with us here in this community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never first, seen it before. The, the first time I was here, I got a Princess Leia tattoo. Uh, I only have two tattoos, and one of them is a big pinup of Princess Leia on my chest. You're gonna have to show us that. Cool. Yeah, I was just thinking, please no. They got more radio. Translate really well to the podcast, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. Um, so. The Star Wars, oh, the short answer is the Clone Wars were really good. The Clone Wars were Dave Filoni. Yeah. And um, I'm also like a big fan of... I'm going to fast forward through this part. James has a deeply held love of the animated Star Wars series, which also comes with some deeply held beliefs. If you feel you found your kindred spirit in James, you can stop by his office and continue the discussion there. He'd welcome it. Love it, love it, love it. This is exactly how the conversations with myself. Yeah, I, I thought that the second I started, I was like, ah, beans. I think I'm info dumping on that. Uh-oh. No, Everything I, he just went. I heard it. I saw the dead look in your eyes. I'm like, oh, no, I, just, this I haven't seen it. I don't get the hype. I'll be honest. I don't really care. Have you ever seen any Star Wars, like, at all? Or no. Just, yeah. Oh, no, so wait, not even the originals? Movies no. and stuff, but... At this point... Eh. Like don't <laughs> I don't get it. You're you're you're. I grew up with it, right? Right. My dad I mean, was a big Star Wars guy. I grew up with it. It's a integral part of my childhood. Yep. I remember Return and of the Jedi in exactly. theaters. Like so, it's it, well. I don't it, have that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I get called old at work every day. I remember it's fine. Phantom. Of, I remember. I remember the Phantom Menace in theaters. I remember. I remember that. In, uh, graduating I, so like, high school. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to call attention, but you, you said 99. I was like, oh. Oh, no. One of my sailors, worst, worst moment of my career, you sit down here trying to mentor people, and I was like, oh, yeah, when I joined in 99, senior, you joined last century? And those oh words in that sentence, I was just like, and I can't murder you, but I, those thoughts I mean, are in he's my... he's not lying. <laughs> I like, you don't have to say it. It's hurtful. I'm a person, too. Oh, so rude. Well, because Lee seemed eager, so I want to hear your guys. I can go first. So, like, I love music, right? That's a Chinese thing. So, like, growing up, my dad listened to classic rock, so I grew up on CCR and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. My brother, seven years older than me, loved 80s hair bands. So, me growing up, I liked, you know, like, Pac and Biggie and different things like that to really present the persona of, like, I'm going to rebel against you. But my guilty pleasure as a kid and still now is 80s, like, bubblegum pop, like, Tiffany's and stuff like that. And, like, I've been caught, like, people would expect, like, you would hear something and it's bubblegum pop. And then my kids pick on me because the linguist in me, I like to incorporate different things as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a Chinese, or not Chinese, Mongolian throat music called The Who. I love love doing that. And then my kids found on, like, because I didn't realize that... My music library shares to their phone. Mm. So one day, my my son comes in. And says, 
what is Rammstein and German death metal? Why do you have this? <laughs> so, so those are my guilty pleasures, the Who, Rammstein, and Tiffany. <laughs> I, I feel like Quiet. I just need a sample of Tiffany. Uh, no, ahead. no. Come on, let's hear that dynamic voice. <laughs> dynamic voice, yes. Dynamic Running just voice. as fast as I can, holding on to one another's hand. Not going to be sung. <laughs> no, nope, we're good. I can do a run cadence if you want, and we'll just you know break it with kill every sentence, and then we'll be good to go. But I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> So now, your turn. Uh, oh, my turn. Okay, yeah. So, um, I like a genre of music. I can't explain why it speaks to me. I don't share the same life experiences or backgrounds as the things they're singing about. I can't explain it. It's super weird, but it answers something in my soul that I don't understand. So, anyways, what I like is called folk punk. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're like... That sounds like two things that don't go together. They don't, and that's why it's great. So it's all the anarchy of punk. It's all the anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism. The people should rise. There's always some socialism in there. Uh, and just general like, community bonding at the, at the local level, right? All that, that punk vibe. And it's usually done on acoustic guitars. Uh, almost always a harmonica. It's done a very. Pol- I gotta hear this. Funky, it's, it's definitely. It's like it's blues travelers meets Blink One Eighty Two. The the singers are very um, for they are usually uh, just kind of screaming along. Like I don't. I'm not musically inclined. I just I don't hear it well. I'm pretty tone deaf, so I don't think they're on beat all the time. I think they're kind of just. Singing their heart out. Uh, some of the biggest <laughs> names are like my favorite things. Like one of the biggest names, Pat the Bunny. Like just doesn't do music anymore. He's at the top of his career, but he quit. Uh, and now he's an IT programmer. Like he just had to quit because the lifestyle was just hard drinking and heroin. And so now he's done. Uh, your soft intro is the Mountain Goats. Get into the Mountain Goats, and then from there, <laughs> kind of devolve. Wow. I'm stupid enough to throw my life away. On music like it was that simple But if singing changed anything They'd make it illegal I hate strangers, loud noises, and crowds uh, Thank you for sharing Yeah, I don't know that I can't play my music around other people Like, if, we're, if I'm driving, I have to listen to it very quietly And let other people talk over it And I just hear little snippets because it's It's not good It's not good People don't like it I don't know why I like it, but it <laughs> fills a void. Alex, we didn't get to yeah. hear yours. Guilty pleasure? Yes. Uh, all right, well, I know, I think I, I had prepared one answer, but as uh, James was explaining his, really, it, it, uh, it brought Terrible, another right? idea. No, no, not that part of it. No, <laughs> no. Wait, wait, no, give me your original. Okay, and I will, then, yeah, then, then, I will. Well, so my, my sister was an aspiring singer, so she's a slightly older sister, so... As her little brother, I would frequently be forced to listen to her favorite music when I was growing up, and that was like Mariah Carey was like her. She was so into Mariah Carey, and uh, so I, 
just by sheer force, you know, I was I was beaten into submission and to appreciating just how good of a singer she She's was. A and great so, like, singer. she is a great singer. That's the thing. So, like, especially at Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. I on that note, I hate Christmas music. So, like, that's what? like the one thing I won't listen to. But yeah. No, I know. Like, you don't want to get into that discussion, but I'm just not. I'm not into the Christmas music. Well, that's that's we can save that for another podcast if you want. Um, no. That yeah. Will but, not be another podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 And why they hate the, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Same time next month, right, guys? Okay. Uh, I, I I like music just in general. Like, I'm a huge music fan, and so I I don't, like, listen to Mariah Carey all the time, but, like, I will, on occasion, I'll just find myself being like, hey, let's listen to some, like, early 90s, like, pop music, like, what I grew up to, and I'll just be like, yeah, man, what a... Throw some Mariah Carey. Man, she is so good. She's still so good. You go back and listen. But, uh, no, my real guilty pleasure, if I'm being honest, though, would I... Sort of like Fado. Like, you... You're ashamed of your interest in music. Well, I have an interest in genres of music that I think most people find unlistenable as well. Like, but for me, it's a totally different vibe. It's like mm-hmm. fast beat, like electronic music, like psychedelic trance, or like ha- like happy hardcore. Like for me, I don't know. That's just like it just matches my brainwaves somehow. It's just like the high energy aspect of it is just like exactly what I'm into. And all the like complex, like all the instruments that are used, and just like. I don't know, it's, it's like, there's no message behind it, it's just like pure energy in sound form, so like, that's my thing, like, that's what I really love listening to. If you ever heard, you ever watched or Google the website Homestar Runner, like, yeah, all of a sudden that, I'm yeah. like envisioning the cheat with the, light, the, the glow stick and the light ray. Yeah, that, that's like, I don't know, I don't know why, but that's the music that speaks to me. <laughs> We all shared it. It's your turn. Okay, okay. So when I was in high school in the 2006 (laughs) to 10 era, (laughs) uh, this this particular artist was very popular um, only amongst the young females, and I hated it back then. That'd be a male, huh? And then... Um, if it was enjoyed by a male, it was definitely their guilty pleasure. No, the the, the singer was female. Yeah, if it was all... I have a guess, and I'm not gonna spoil it, but I have a guess. I was 26 and deploying at this point, so I'm like, I have no, no reference point. (laughs) But then when I joined the Marine Corps, I saw that all the recon dudes at my battalion were in love with this artist. Um, And then I went, I did a SIGIT and shooting package in 2019, I think, and I was the only girl rolling around with a bunch of dudes in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they just put it on blast every single day. Any free moment we had as prep before we, like, went out to shoot or even prep before we went out to the bar. Um, And then I grew to, like, this particular album that this person came out with during that time period. It's just this particular album and just, like, two songs on it. What's your guess? It's changed now, okay? I thought it was going to be Bieber, but that's just because you said teenage girls in high school in mid-2000s. I was like, Bieber, and then the more recon dudes you described liking this music, I don't know anymore. But it's Edgerton. Taylor Swift. Oh, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah. How many days did I spend thinking about how you did me wrong, wrong, wrong? Lived in the I hated when she came out with her first like music. shooting targets with the it breakup songs? <laughs> yeah, like literally that's what it was like every single day. T-Swizzle is a bop. Every one of her songs. Outside. Oh. Was that English? What did you just say? I T-Swizzle said, is a bop. T-Swizzle is a bop. All her music is great. 
I'm, you know, I'm not elaborating. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, no, I need that translated. What is a bop? What is that? T-Swizzle like, is Taylor Swift. What is... <laughs> it means her music is great. It's amazing. To bop along to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All See, right. That makes sense. It's recycling, right? We take <laughs> we take slang from the '80s and we recycle it into the modern day. And so now a bop bops are back in. Oh, as a as an E6, there's nothing funnier. Like I highly recommend both of you get on TikTok. Because there is nothing funnier. <laughs> the Chinese than... and the linguist are saying, no. They already, have your, they already have your data. You'll be fine. Uh, there is nothing funnier than being a, a dude in his 30s at, at a staff sergeant rank using modern day like TikTok slang to students who are 18 years old. It is Hilarious. It is hilarious. See, it I, is the I've graduated word. to like I'm now classical or refined because I'm a dude in my 40s. So <laughs> <laughs> fair, 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 fair. he is kind of refined. Uh, I didn't want to say it. Okay, crusty, refined, that. salty. There's lots of different adjectives I'll accept. <laughs> Special thanks to Jim Martin, our recording studio and audio programming guru. Also thanks to our guests, Alex, Lee, Jason, and James. Music clips by Pat the Bunny, Tiffany, DJ Electric Samaria, and Taylor Swift. <laughs>